This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks, St. Samson's in the Channel Island of Gondi. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. violence and the violent 
take it by, let me see that, force. That other verse, the kingdom of God is taken, taken by force. That's what they're describing this. Part of, if you like, going into the kingdom is that we won't have to be advancing. As a Christian, if we stand still, I mean, if you like, if you're standing still, you know where you're going backwards, that's true. You're either going forward or backwards, there's no kind of in between. And so there's this great kind of picture that as Christians, we've got to always be in a place of advance. We've got to constantly be moving forward. We have to be moving forward spiritually, in relationships, in marriage, in everything we do. But always have to be a continual advancement in that situation. Is that true? And so there's this picture that in order, everybody knows that, that, that when you come to advance spiritually, when you come to advance yeah. into the kingdom of God, how many found that sometimes there's resistance to that? The kind of devil doesn't just kind of fall back and say, carry on. So whenever you advance, how many found that every time you're advancing God, something kind of rises up? How many found that? You know, you're progressing, you're going forward, you're, you're, you're making things go for God, and someone suddenly, right out of the blue, comes some conflict or some obstacle. So every time there's advancing in the kingdom, there will always be some resistance to that advancement. And so Jesus says that when you are operating in the kingdom, in order to move forward in the kingdom, we have to be eager. We have to be, if you like, zealous, and we have to be, if you like, we have to put effort and energy into advancing. It's not going to come to us easily. There's going to be a conflict. There's going to be a battle, a fight involved. That means we have to be spiritually violent to come into all that God has for us. We've got to kind of move in advancement and in order to do that we've got to be determined to advance. There will be, there will, it will require effort, it will require determination to move forward in all that God has for us. And Jesus actually is talking about being aggressive. Now he's not talking about being aggressive with people. He's talking about being aggressive spiritually. Taking some kind of spiritual aggression. In other words, there's got to be a fire inside of us to lay hold of what God has provided for us. It's not going to just fall from the sky, it's not just going to happen until we take certain spiritual aggression to come to all the God has for us. That's what Jesus taught about. He said, the kingdom comes, and the only way you're going to advance in the kingdom, the only way you're going to come to all that God has for you, is that you've got to be determined, you've got to put a fire in your belly, you've got to put some aggression in there, to enter into what he has for you. Now, I think there's certain things that we, that we have to spiritually, if you like, be aggressive for. That's the first one. For the love of God. If you're going to love God, it's going to take spiritual aggression to come into the love of God. This is what Deuteronomy 6 tells us about this. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, and notice this, all your mind. 
Now that sounds like to me about something we've got to aggressively pursue. Is that true? Is that true? Loving God with all your strength, with all your mind, with all your arms. So almost this sense that, that God wants us to love Him with everything we have, every part of our being. He wants us to love Him with. I think I shared last week. Having passion for Jesus really begins with having a revelation of His passion for you. You'll never be more passionate for Jesus than you see how passionate He is for you. The truth is, you can't love God with your own natural love. You've got to love God with God's love. He sets abroad His love in your heart so you can love Him with the love He's poured into you. How do you see that? And that is an incredible, passionate, aggressive, determined love. Look at the thing, look at the phrase that he uses. He says, you love him with all your heart. That means that, that you've got to engage your emotions. You have to cultivate your emotions. You have to set your affections on him. How many love Psalm 91? I love Psalm 91. You see all the benefits there, like protection and deliverance. All incredible promises of Psalm 91. And God says, the person, notice this, who sets his heart upon me, I will lift him on high. What's that? That's like somebody says, God, I'm going to set my affections, I'm going to set my heart on you. Why? Because there's so many things that want to take our affections away from him. And, and, and part of what the enemy does, he tries to allow your heart to be taken over by other affections. And when other affections grab your heart, there's the point. You're not going to love him with all your heart. Is that true? You can't love him with a divine heart. You've got to love him with <laughs> Did it say part of your heart? Some of your heart, he said, how much did say? All your heart. The whole of your emotional being is set on love in him. Amen. And then he says, you set him, you're loving with all your heart. And then he says, you're loving with all your mind. You kind of fill your mind with things that inspire love for God. Rather than things that diminish love of him. The great battle all of us face often is the battle of the mind. And part of the battles of the mind is there to diminish your love for God. And part of your loving God with all your mind is you're going to allow thoughts that agree with him. Thoughts that are centered on him and, and things of him. That's why loving God with all your mind is so important. And he says you're loving with all your strength. That speaks of all your resources. Ultimately speaking, we express our love for God, really, how we use our resources, how we use our time, how we use our, our finance, how we use different parts of our lives, our, our talents and abilities. How we use those things often express how we love God. See, you've got to say, I really love God, but I really don't have much time for Him. <laughs> you know? How do you think that would provide that would really help a strong marriage? I love you, darling, but sorry, I'm not, I can't spend this time with you. I don't have much time to, to spend with you. you know, that's not going to be good. How many would say that? But part of the love of God is you say, God, time, resources, anything I have, I'm going to spend it on loving you. He says, You're loving me for your soul. And that means that, you're, that you realign your identity. And it's based on your relationship with God, not on your successes and not on your accomplishments. 
successes and accomplishments will come as a result of your righteous God. That's not what we get our identity from. We get our identity from our relationship with Him. And part of our doing that, we measure really our love for Him by our obedience. <coughs> when the rubber hits the road, it's all about this. I love you enough, God, to obey you. How many of there's often challenges to obedience? And the highest form of obedience is when you love God. You obey him if he's gone a bit successful. I'll use this one. You love God simply because you obey him simply because you love him. That's our school of You don't obey him because necessarily because of consequences, but you obey him because you simply love him. And Jesus says you love him with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your heart, with all your being. And that takes effort. That takes determination. That means you're going to keep going regardless. Because the kingdom has to be taken by force. I think sometimes we need spiritual aggression against spiritual powers. Showing our love, but also showing its spiritual powers. What does the Bible say? It says, resist the devil. Resist him. And we have to learn the power of resistance. Because the Bible says the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your dream. He wants to oppress you. He wants to, he wants to sort of do all kinds of things that will rob you of amazing blessings in your life. And we need to resist him. In other words, we don't become like the devil's doormats. Sometimes we're going to rise up with authority and we're going to rise up and say, devil, enough is enough. I'm standing against your schemes. I'm standing against your plans. I resist you. I think that that needs to take place against the works of God, against our lives, against our families, against our islands. That right, we need to rise up with authority and begin to use that authority against the works of God. So what do you want to know? A well-known man of God was in a meeting one day. He had a vision of demons that were actually infesting the meeting. And he said, God, what are you going to do about it? And God said, it's not what I'm going to do about it, it's what you're going to do about it. Use your authority. And sometimes we're going to use that authority you know, for our families, for our, for our, for our homes, for, for our, I think for our island. You know, really, you know, sometimes unless, it's like, we rise up and take authority, then the enemy is just going to, he's just going to sweep through that truth. That's why prayer is so important. You know, prayer is all about The Bible said it's a weapon of warfare. I think Malin was swimming, wasn't there? This, it's like vision of these tentacles that kind of flow over the island. That's true, isn't it? Lord, as we pray, we're cutting off the works of the enemy against the church, against the island, against all kinds of things. You know, praying people push back the works of God to be in. That takes energy, that takes passion, that takes violence to achieve that. I think we're going to be aggressive. Things of things in the world. I think there's so many things that try to influence us. So many things that try and put pressure on us. 
And they particularly among young people, all kinds of pressures, all kinds of fear pressures, sexual pressures, all there to try to bring about a conforming. That's what the Bible says. Don't be what conformed to this world, but be what transformed. You know how you get conformed to this world? Just stand back and let it happen. <coughs> to become, when you become apathetic, then you begin, before you know it, why you get swept in by the things of this world. And we're never going to really be effective or productive for the Lord unless we make a real powerful positive decision. It says, you know what? I'm not going to conform to the stance of this world. I'm not going to be like everybody else. I'm not going to allow the values and the standards and the things of this world to affect me. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to fight against the things of this world that want to conform me and make me like it. I'm going to live differently because I want to advance the kingdom. And that is going to take existence. Without existence, and we find ourselves, if we're passive, we'll find out that things of this world, the spirit of this world, will begin to influence and affect us. And in order to fight that effect, we've got to stand up and be aggressive. And so I'm not going to bow down and become like everybody else. I'm going to be transformed and show people the power to keep it in their name. Here's the next thing. I think we've got to be passionate and militant, I use that term, for the saving of souls. Ultimately speaking, advancing the kingdom of evil is all about winning people for Jesus. There's a great parable in Luke 14, 23. Remember that parable of the other banquet? Where all these people invited and nobody turned up. So the master tells his servant, go out and use the word, compel them to come. And that word compel is such a powerful word. It means to do it with strong persuasion and passion. I think there's something about a person who has passion by an incredible effects as a wooden thing. If we're apathetic, we tend not to have much effect on but when we are passionate about seeing them come to Christ, and people feel our passion for them to come to know I think they're great and more effective. Amen. I wish you a great scripture. This has been on my heart for such a long time. So, another parable. I kind of found myself more and more meditating so much on the parables. But this particular one has been kind of a powerful truth. Powerful. It's Luke 15, verse 8. It's a parable of a lady. He says, Well, what woman in verse 8, verse 8 of Luke 15, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not write a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me. For I have found the peace of which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And the word. I love this picture that says the word of treasure. 
I get glad that you are you I look at myself, I was the most unlikeliest coin on treasure. They look the part. I'm glad God found me and glad that I just thought this focus that we are so valuable to God, He puts all His focus on finding us. The whole mission of Jesus was to seek and save the lost. And this is what I need to say. I think there's so many treasures all around us. So we're just longing and looking to be found. And I don't think to be a treasure hunter takes a special gift. It's just to care enough about what is lost and to do something about finding. Here in a nutshell is the truth. People without Jesus are lost. And, and the reason why they don't get saved is because they're held in spiritual bondage. And that's why it takes someone to pray for them and reach that person with the love of God. Somebody did it for you, is that right? So we kind of take that button and we seek to do for somebody else. And I encourage you really. Just take one person. You know there's no Jesus. Every day, make a commitment to pray for that one person. Pray for them. Pray for opportunities. Pray for means and ways that you can share Jesus with that person. See, that begins to put a passion. Because there's a problem, see, sometimes you get people so hard to reach. Why do I? Let's get up. And so we begin to become apathetic about winning people to Christ. And we've got to get a passion in our heart. And I'm going to begin by saying, God, I'm just going to take that one person every day and I'm going to pray for them. And every day you pray for them. And as we do, you know, we're this experience like that. If you pray for them, and then they sit here for a little while, and you just be honest about that. Well, so that you can sit here and say, oh, that's what I want you to do. Just keep praying. Day in, day out, you keep going. You refuse to allow Adam to get a hold of you. You keep praying and praying until the breakthrough begins to come. I just feel so much if we do that. We would see this incredible breakthrough. If you think about every church that we have, every church that we have, then we have one person And if each person takes responsibility, just one person, how many of you think it's just a make or break? And believe in say, God, I'm going to be passionate for for winning people for you. Because there's treasure there. What's coming? You know, also, you think about it. The one thing that we're told that God rejoices in that is that we're one person that gets saved. And the one thing that kind of grips and excites the heart of God. And how do want to be part of creating a party in heaven? So we need to be part of winning people for Jesus. Willing to pay whatever price it takes because we're that we need to be good for Christ in there. Here's the next thing. 
We need to rise above that and pay back. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 31. I think moving in miracles is spiritual gifts. Again, I think sometimes we can become passive about spiritual gifts. We often do things for everybody else, but not for me. I'm going to show you right now that the Bible tells us that it's really responsible to every believer to desire spiritual gifts. And I'll tell you what that is. Because then we realise that gifts aren't necessarily just for you. They are there to bless and encourage and even lead people for Christ. Look at this in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31. It just says, but earnestly desire. How many of us have the word of passion? In other words, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. How many know that they are gifts? You don't earn or deserve them, they are gifts. But in order to put yourself in a position to receive them, you've got to earnestly desire them. <coughs> earnestly want them, earnestly desire them. And if you earnestly desire the gifts and passionately after them and after them, then you will begin to see the gifts of the Spirit operating in your life. If you get the first verse, what the second verse? So, chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love, which is so important. And then he says, and desire spiritual gifts. Excuse me. <laughs> Especially that you may prophesy. That's an amazing thing to desire. Earnestly desire that you may flow in the prophetic. In the prophetic. That is the prophetic, in essence, is really seeing the invisible. God wants you to be a person that's become a prophetic person in your life. You don't desire it. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, words of knowledge, healings, miracles, speaking tongues, all those things. Say, God, I'm learning, I'm not going to be passive with this day after. I love and I earnestly pursue spiritual gifts in my life. So, those are the kind of things we need to earnestly pursue and desire. Love for God. Fighting in the things of darkness. Many people for Jesus. Spiritual gifts. All those are the kind of things that we've got to earnestly pursue to fly our life. Well, the Bible's an example. Look at Joshua 10. How many of us can do it? Here's a person who refused to become passive. But what an example of someone with passion who rose against the passivity of that, of that, of that culture. Joshua 14, verse 10. As he said this, 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke his word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now I am in this day, 85 years of age. How many glad this in the two like Amen. And as yet I am strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, now so it is. For war, which we're talking about aggressive, spiritual aggression, if you like, both for going out and coming. Now, for give me this mountain, as the Lord spoke in that day. You heard how the Anakin were there, and the cities were greatly fortified. It may be the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord has said. 
And Joshua blessed Caleb. That was the I just love this kind of this man's spirit. You know, he said, I'm not going to become slack. I'm not going to allow myself to be, to be influenced by anyone around me. But I am going to be a person who's going to possess that which God has promised for me to do. There's going to be battles, there's going to be opposition, there's going to be people rising up against me, but I'm determined to fight and go forward and enter into all that God has for me. Is in there. Let me give you that. It's a good word for passivity. Passivity means yielding to unwanted pressure from people or some other influence without resisting. It means giving in without trying a bit of pressure you give up. Pressure from people you give in and go with the flow. You give up without a fight. Apathy means no interest or enthusiasm and no energy. It's lacking in personal energy or power. And that's what apathy is, and that's what passiveness is. And they want to be passive. And they want to be full of passion. Then think about this. Do you know faith always requires action? Ever let the people who see miracles for Jesus? Many of them have to address it to get the miracle and they realize that. I think about the land. Do you know what it is? She says to Jesus, Jesus, I need a miracle. My daughter is being delivered. She's absolutely, she's done a part of the life. She's demonized. I need help. Would you help my daughter? I think we've got this response. I don't need bread for the dogs. But I will. And we've got to say, Lord, would you ask him, you know, and he's, of course, she's called a dog. I mean, it's not encouraging. And she's been so easily offended, you know. I love what she says. She says, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the table. And go the water, because of, because of this thing, go home the water in his wife. Well, I love the story of Bartimaeus. He, he heard that Jesus was passing by. He could have just sat there. The Bible said he lifted his voice to the point that people told him to shut up and be quiet. And the more they told him to shut up and be quiet, the louder he shouted, I love it. And he just shouted to the top of his voice until he caught the attention of Jesus. And we're told that Jesus was passing him by, but when he heard this man crying out, he, told, he talked to him and says, Bring him to me. And the miracle began because he was willing to get passionate. He refused to be passive, but pressed forward. Now, let me just show you a few very quickly. I think a few things that help you become a person of passion. How do you deal with passivity? It's a massive thing that we all battle with on a day-to-day basis. It's something we have to fight back with it. Past it. It's all around us. It's in our pulse all around us. How do we rise against it? Just a few things. Here's the first thing. Recognize it. Recognize it. You know, think about it. How do you know when someone's kind of not, you've not, well, part of what you measure is by their temperature. Is that true? You measure someone's temperature. <laughs> My question, what is biblical temperature for normal? It's being full of passion and zeal. That's biblical temperature. Let me say that. Burning up. That's God's temperature. 
And we need to say, God, I'm really honest in my heart. I feel that I'm apathetic. I've got kind of a little bit, you know, I've lost the passion I have. And it's kind of recognizing it and saying, God, today, I recognize I'm not as zealous as I once was or I want to be. Would you set my heart on fire? But I haven't got the passion for souls that I want you to have. Not God, I don't love you the same way I kind of express my love for you as once I did. And you begin to recognize that maybe your temperature's going down. And you recognize it. And God, that God's so gracious and so wonderful. And the moment we acknowledge it is the moment that God can begin to just put that fire in our hearts. So wonderful. I think the second thing is this. Jesus says, you know, when, when the bridegroom, you only fast when you know the bridegroom is not out. I think there's seasons when your heart, you feel all your, when you feel yourself moving a little passion. That's a good thing to do, is to set aside a time of fasting and prayer. You know, one thing that never fasting does, when you're fasting actually, kind of begins to kind of lift all the atmosphere. And all the stuff that kind of holds that fire back. And I'm kind of good to God. I'm taking this season out, but I'm just going to fast. I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to see you again. And just by making that step, you'll be amazed how God can begin to stir that stuff up again. And before you do it, you're declaring war against every area that's bringing you to a place of passivity. You're declaring war against it. I'm I'm warring against those things that are bringing passivity to my life. I recognize it and I'm declaring war about it by spending a season of prayer and fasting. It's amazing that place of fasting. I don't think you're always going to meet it there, but often the results of that is you're brought into a closer war with Jesus. Really, now. There's the next thing. Eliminate negative energy that drains from your life. I think sometimes I think all kinds of negative things that so drain that energy that almost we don't feel we have any passion left. Because there's things that drain the energy. It's almost, it's like, I've explained it, there's more going out than coming in there. It's like this coming. So many things, pressures, difficulties, problems, all kinds of things are draining our energy. To the point that we feel almost we, as though we're drawing in our hearts. And I think there's something that can cause that. I think yeah, the worst person is that where no love and no affection is being expressed, it's not that happen with a child, but when a child grows up in a home, there's been no affection or no love demonstrated and revealed. What causes a child to do? Causes of the Because then we know that it's only by word that it comes to an expression that our hearts begin to overlap. And sometimes to Charlie, where negative words have been spoken, that we've never really seen love revealed and devastated, it can cause our hearts to kind of close up. And we just withdraw and pull back. And what we need to do in that situation. Is to begin to say, God, I release those people, I forgive them. 
was beginning to deal with those hurts and those wounds that kind of caused me to kind of withdraw. I think that's why rejection sometimes can cause problems. You know, when we get hurt, when we get wounded, when we get rejected, it can again cause us to kind of pull away from that kind of stuff in our hearts. And so we've got to stand against that rejection. We need to often forgive and release those ones who have hurt us and they do to rise against those things. Here's the next thing, very quickly. Begin Say goals. Say, Lord, this is what I want to achieve. This is what I want to do for you. These are what I want to achieve in my spiritual life for you. Begin also to celebrate the victories. Celebrate the little things God does. Create a, a spirit of, of gratitude and heart of celebration. Begin, make yourself feel with the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. When you fill with the Holy Spirit, there's no room for anything else. Amen. To get yourself filled with the Holy Ghost. The Spirit is a, a Spirit that's always moving and stirring and moving. So make sure your life is filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the more filled with the Spirit you are, the more you get free from passivity. You rise up and say, Lord, today, I want to be filled with the Spirit. Because the Spirit is a Spirit that's always moving, acting, and moving forward. Let's just start with one more now. Now, I think we let me just bring that sense this morning of dealing with kind of negative kind of feelings and attitudes in my heart. Things that kind of drain our energy. Things that are so drain as they leave us feeling apathetic and lethargic. Just ask the Lord to come over those wounded areas right now. Just ask the Lord to Lord tonight, come into those wounded areas in my heart more. Well, I want to be passionate for you. I want to be full of fire. Full of passion for Jesus. For this purpose I was created for. To be passionate the love of Jesus. To be a lover of Jesus and a deliverer of me. That's what we're called for. That's our agenda. That's our destiny. How many of your own relationships would not be happy with someone who's close to you who really shows no interest in you as a person? How many would be happy with that kind of relationship? How much more do we need to be like for our Father? Full of passion for you, full of love for you. Full of commitment to him. Passionately in love with Jesus. Loving him with our heart and our minds and our soul and our whole being. Passionately loving people that don't know him. Being aggressive against all the forces and powers of darkness around us. Refusing to allow the culture and the things of this world to to grab our hearts, not to allow the wounds and the, and the things of life to rob us of that passion for you. Father, we come to that. Again, we just put your hand on your heart in these moments. 
while we pray today, Father. Thank you that you are such a wonderful Father. Thank you that you love us today with a passion. Thank you that you're wholehearted in your love for us. I pray today, Heavenly Father, for a mighty passion for you. We want to love you with all that we have today. How can we give anything less when we realize how much you've done for us and the passion that you love us with? And I pray today, Father, for a passion in our hearts. Ignite a fire in our hearts today. Lord, burn powerfully and mightily for Jesus. Give us a passion for you. Give us compassion for those that don't know you, Lord. Pull that in our hearts. Burn that in our hearts today. That we would be passionate lovers for you. Lord, ignite something in our hearts even this day. So we will have so this week will be a week, God. A week that's filled with passion and love for you. In your mighty name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delance Healam Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceelam.co.uk.